0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to the Share a Story podcast. I'm Darian.
1: And I'm Lorene. And this podcast is all about stories that empower, uplifts, and heals.
0: All right. So, Lorene, before I tell you my story today, I have some follow-up items from some previous episodes I want to talk about. Okay. So, do you remember when you told me about your favorite book?
1: Jane Eyre? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? what? I can now say I've listened to the audiobook of Jane Eyre.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I know it's something you've been resistant for years. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, so it turns out Audible right now. Um, They have a lot of free titles because um, a lot of kids have been out of school. So it's just been their way to uh, to help people, I guess, like help the students have something to do while school's out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I should say Audible is a sponsor of the program. Um, That's not why I'm bringing this up. However, for full disclosure, I should say that they they do sponsor the show. Um, so anyways, I listened to Jane Eyre on Audible and I wanted to tell you a little bit of my thoughts about it. Okay. Okay. So I'll be honest. When I heard that like her fate at the end of the book is that she marries this blind cripple guy. (laughs) Um, and also like this guy was what somebody who had deceived her trying to get her into a false marriage. Um, to me, that didn't sound like a very happy ending, like when you were telling me about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But when I listened to it, like in the context of the whole thing, it made m- much more sense to me on why that was a happy ending. And mm-hmm. I think this is why. Mm-hmm. One of the things that never came across when people were telling me about Jane Eyre is, is that like her very like first basic primal instinct is to nurture others. She's Mm -hmm. always nurturing somebody, Mm -hmm, right? mm
1: -hmm. That's very true, yes. That's why she enjoyed being a governess.
0: Exactly, right. So, um, I think having Mr. Rochester be blind and missing an arm or hand or whatever it was, I think that that really allowed jane to like kind of just let her natural thing that she does the thing that she feels most empowered when she does it like to to really shine through to like be there for him to be somebody that that she can serve and that was like it made a much more sense when i read it because it was exactly what she wanted i don't Mm -hmm. know if Mm -hmm. that makes sense
1: Mm Hmm. yeah Okay. I get what, I guess what I get what you're saying, yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, and then um so this this is kind of at the very end. It says that 2 years after they got married, his sight
1: yeah. Star- I think yeah. you told me that. I did. He start his sight started coming back right when they were about to have right when right when they had their first child, which was a miraculous thing. Mhm yeah and so she
0: got to just have this joy and satisfaction of seeing this person that she nurtured uh kind of get his sight back and that was very fulfilling and very happy for her um okay so then i i don't sorry did you want to say anything else about that before i talk well about this no i'm point? just
1: kind of i'm really surprised
0: <laughs> that i actually listened to it yeah <laughs> i uh i've been hiding this from you just so i could tell you on the podcast that
1: is awesome i know like uh, you told me Jane Eyre is also your mom's favorite book. A one of her favorite. I don't favorite know books. if it's her
0: very favorite, but, but I do know that it's one that she very much likes.
1: Yeah, and and even then you were always like, whatever, uh, just not into it at all. So yeah, I'm I'm just really glad that you <laughs> gave it a shot and that I can talk to you about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good deal. Um, yeah, it it. Uh, I, okay, I don't think I could have enjoyed it when I was younger. I think I had to have mm. my 36 years worth of life experience before I could really understand and uh-huh, enjoy it. Uh-huh. Um,
1: and, and that's what happens, though, with anything. It depends on what's going on and in, in what stage in life you're in. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm scared, to be honest, of reading Jane Eyre right now, just because I'm in a totally different stage of my life. What I got from it before might not be what I get from it. Now, Now, that's not necessarily bad, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to feel disappointed. Like, I just want to treasure because so many childhood movies, for instance, I know it's not the same as books, but like. So many childhood m- movies that I've watched, I've been so disappointed. Uh huh. It just yeah. did not live up to my memory or my emotions.
0: <laughs> right. And like, um, like it, the, the movie wasn't as good as the nostalgia you had for the movie.
1: Exactly. And I'm just so afraid that's going to happen with Jane Eyre, even though I have like three copies. <laughs> <laughs> and so I haven't reread it again. Um, in a very, very, very long time, but I really want to. But also, the other problem lies with the fact that there are so many, many, many books uh, to read, and I don't always want to reread something when I have so many new ones that I can <laughs> get into.
0: True, that makes sense. Um, I, I'm a lot more selective about what I read and listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding something that I enjoy I'll, I'll usually go back to it um, eventually there's I've got a few books that I've I've listened to dozens of times to- well maybe not dozens I don't know quite a few and I'm sure that more of those will pro- we'll probably talk about a lot of those on this podcast at a future time um, but I want to tell you a little bit more about what I thought about Jane Eyre mm-hmm. okay so her her cousin she had three cousins that uh, like her good cousins. She had like two bad cousins at the beginning, but mm-hmm. then we don't care about them. Mm-hmm. But her three good cousins, one of them is a guy, and then she has like these two girl cousins.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one she meets right after she run o- runs right. away from Mr. Rochester. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Okay. So the the guy cousin, her name is... Uh, sorry, his name. <laughs> his name is Sanjin. Mm-hmm. Sanjin, I think is how they pronounced it.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure. And
0: uh, so Jane Eyre, she runs away and this family that like, kind of takes her in, but she doesn't use her real name. Like she's going by a different identity because she doesn't want. And like, she says like, that's not my real name, but I'm not telling, like I prefer not to have people know who I am right now. And they're like, okay, whatever. But then um, Sanjin starts to piece together who she is because his inheritance goes to this other cousin right like that he thought he was going to get and so like he's like talking he's like are you Jane Eyre and it's this long drawn-out conversation um about like oh my cousin went to this same exact school as you and it was at about the exact same time as you and you know and like are you this person and then she's like yes 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 I am now why are you why are you asking about Jane Eyre and he's like well uh, Jane Eyre is the inheritor of 20,000 pounds and she was like so shocked and almost I think almost sickened by the thought of inheriting 20,000 pounds and um, so she's like well how, how do you know about this business like what what's it to you whether or not I Jane Eyre inherit 20,000 pounds and that's when he's like well it's because I'm your cousin And because of some slight that was never repaired between my father and his brother, um, I don't get any of the money or whatever. And so when she finds out that she has these cousins, it's like night and day difference between like when she found out about the money, when she found out she had cousins. Because like she was essentially an orphan throughout Mm -hmm. the whole book like Mm -hmm. she still had those two bad cousins so that's where it is a little bit weird but they were like not good so she just thought of herself as an orphan and she was so so excited like leaps and bounds way more excited about having family than she was about the money which there was two parts in the book where I teared up and that was one of them because it was so sweet.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. It, like, it was like, a touching scene. It really was. Because like, that's all she's thirst for for so yeah, long. Yeah.
0: It, it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, And then um, I did. Okay. Th- this isn't so. I don't know. I'll just say it. So I did some math because I had no sense of like how much wealth 20,000 pounds is. It's a lot. So I, I did some calculations so as a governess she was making 30 pounds a year mm-hmm. um, so twenty thousand pounds is about it, it's a, it's over 600 years worth of wages mm-hmm. so quite a few
1: Did I, you look up I know I looked it up back a long time ago what it would be 20 what 20 pounds today would be
0: yeah so so uh, I did okay um and i should say that she split it four ways equally between herself and her three cousins Mm -hmm. so she only really ended up with five thousand pounds um but that's still 160 years worth of wages so still quite a quite a lot of money right okay so i put this through uh and let's see um well first of all i had to put this through a inflation calculator so air in the UK was published in 1847 um so I I first calculated how much spending buying power that is in like today's money and then I converted that into US dollars and so uh, twenty thousand pounds in 1847 is roughly equivalent to two and a half million US dollars today yeah. So she inherited $2.5 million and then she cut that down to, uh, I, I don't know, what would that be? Um, a little over 500000 So, So um, enough to buy a really nice house. Um,
1: yeah, I know. Day. <laughs> that, I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, wow, $2.5 is a lot. But then I thought about it a little further and I was like... Actually, that won't go very far if you need to buy a house, <laughs> car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess it depends on your tastes. And well, your, that's true. I was your, l- you know, where you live and the society. And it depends you're... on how
1: many kids you have, because yeah. if you have a lot of kids like in your family, <laughs> that does not go very far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's true.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's very true. Um, split anything you know among kids and it starts to Uh, for you listeners
1: darian is one of eight kids
0: yes there's there's seven more of me running around somewhere so
1: so 10 people in his family yeah
0: (laughs) um okay i also want to say this so the whole thing to me and and this is not a criticism like this is this is just fine the whole thing to me felt like a retelling of Cinderella. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the beginning, she has the two wicked stepsisters; They're cousins, but she's got her wicked aunt, her two wicked stepsisters. Well,
1: they're a boy cousin and a girl cousin, but all right. right, I'll, no, I'll It give was it two you. girl cousins, wasn't no, it? No, the boy cousin was the main cousin at the beginning.
0: Oh, oh, that's right. There was, but he wasn't... There was the mean boy cousin, but I think there was two girl cousins.
1: Oh, well, perhaps. I might not remember them very well. They didn't know. stick out as much in my head.
0: If, if dear listener, if you want to correct us, please do. You can email us at stories at shareastory.fm. Yeah. So we could look it up ourselves. Yeah. Too. <laughs> but the power of Google if, and books. Yeah, it's true. But if... If, if we made a mistake and it's that important to you to correct, go ahead and write to us. Otherwise, I don't think we care too much about it. But, um, okay. um, So then, like, this whole thing, it really in my head plays out really closely paralleling to Cinderella because by the end, she becomes this lady. Like, she marries this... Uh, rich society guy.
1: But she had her own money before she married this rich society guy. Yeah, but it's
0: guy. still like this scooped up out of poverty uh, story.
1: I think it's different. If she had married him before and he hadn't been married, then it would have felt more like it. But she kind of saved herself. I mean, Obviously, she didn't serve herself as in the, um, I mean, the the uncle gave her the money. She was lucky enough to have been given the opportunity to save herself. And so, to me, it's so different because the whole point of the Cinderella story is the prince saves her, gets her away from the main family, gets her away from poverty, and stuff like that. So, I don't know.
0: Okay, well... To me I think the bones of it are the same. Okay.
1: Okay. It, and maybe it is and I'm just still just looking at it through different eyes. Yeah.
0: I I mean like Jane Eyre was an awesome character. Mhm. She like, really was like so it, it um I don't know. Just it's just like my mom said, like in the face of temptation, in the face of uh like having everything she wants except for her integrity she decided to keep her integrity and give up everything else Mm -hmm. it's like so heroic and Mm an amazing character Mm -hmm. um but she becomes a beggar Mm -hmm. and this family takes pity on her and lets her live there and she gets along with them and then it turns out they're, they're her cousins and everything
1: and i love that i truly love that um, Charlotte Bronte did that in her book
0: yeah I, that's kind of cool
1: yeah I, like I said uh, Jane Eyre has a bit of a whimsical aspect to her to it yeah the book and I really it really spoke to me and I really loved it
0: cool yeah so um, I don't know I still think it's like a Cinderella retelling okay personally <laughs> okay Um. okay and then I want to tell you the other part where where like it actually made me tear up Um, so it's when she and Mr. Rochester oh actually no before I get there I want to I want to say this that there was one part that was really boring for me and only knowing what was happening going to happen next got me through it and that was when she and Mr. Rochester got engaged for the first time because there was like uh S- pages and pa- i you know obviously there was no pages because i was listening to the audiobook but it was pages and pages of just them flirtatiously teasing each other and it's like oh that's funny once or twice but it just kept going and going and going and going and going <laughs> and i the only reason i got through it is because i knew she was gonna get left at the altar and i'm like please get to that part because <laughs> <laughs> because this is this is unbearable
1: that just goes to show you we should not flirtatiously act in such a way with each other because our dear listener will get bored that's
0: true i mean i don't mind when you and i do it by ourselves but, i know, I know. Um, i'm teasing i don't know I'm Ma- maybe you if we were gonna out. write a romantic novel we could d- reference some of that but honestly did not do it for me i it was that was rough to get through okay but the part at the end when she goes back to mr rochester was the other part that made me tear up oh i cried that whole scene yeah oh the whole chapter and so remember you said that there's this whole mystical aspect to jane Eyre. okay so sanjin her cousin is he has like this strange power over jane where jane has a hard time saying no to him mm-hmm. and it was kind of taking all of her strength to say no to Mary. i really him.
1: didn't like him to be honest I, I can see why did, i mean I he didn't.
0: yeah he, he was just
1: a little bit arrogant and bit controlling
0: yeah he was he was um so he had like asked her a zillion times to marry him And she kept saying no, no, no. But she was on the verge of saying yes. And then she like says. That dream.
1: Oh, not that It was like a prayer. It was a prayer. Yes.
0: She like says a prayer and is like, let me know what I should do. And then that's when she heard. Jane. 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 Like,
1: yeah. yeah. I love that one.
0: And then when she gets together with Mr. Rochester. Yeah. um, He hears her reply. It turns yeah. out that at that same exact moment he actually had been calling out for her and she had replied where she was with Sanjin I'm coming for you I'm coming for you and Mr Rochester is like I must have been going mad because I heard you say I'm coming for you I'm coming for you and Jane I think she doesn't tell him she just kind of treasures it up in her heart kind of thing and but it was it was kind of cool and like it's it wasn't out of place there was plenty of other I think moments in the book where there was like yeah. this yeah. divine yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, kind of
1: Charlotte thing. Bronte did a really good job with uh, storytelling because it wasn't one of those weird moments and a story where they throw something at you and you're like, "What? What? This doesn't belong here." There was no no proof that such a thing would happen, but like throughout her book, there were little moments here and there. So it it totally. Yeah. It, so it worked. It fit.
0: It, yeah, it, it, it wasn't worked. out of place at all. No, it, it was just fine. Yeah. Um I think that there was like a little bit of like divine stuff in the fact that she ended up at her cousin's doorstep. Oh yeah. Um so Anyways, so those are okay. those are my thoughts on Jane Eyre. So I actually would um recommend it. I I wouldn't recommend it to everybody.
1: No, because your sister did not like it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um But I would um I don't know, like I I would recommend it for anyone looking for, like, a good Cinderella retelling. Um, and, yeah, that's those are my thoughts on Jane Eyre.
1: <laughs> Cinderella retelling.
0: Yeah. N- next, if you ever read it again or listen to it. Um, We'd love
1: your input if you think it's a Cinderella yeah. retelling. Yeah. Either um, put well, it in a comment in one of our posts yeah. or write to us. But
0: but it just, like, if you, Lorreen ever... Read it again. Just read it with oh. Cinderella in the back of your mind, and then see how well it fits.
1: I feel like if you set your mind to something, you will always see. No,
0: it. but like you'll be like, oh yeah, this is blatantly obvious. How could I miss this? Like, okay, how did I miss this? Before? Okay, so, okay. Anyways, so that's that's my follow up for uh, for our previous episode, and now. I am excited to talk to you about the story I selected today. Um, And actually this, okay, so I picked a podcast that I really like. It's called Wolf 359.
1: Oh, yeah, you tell me about this one. You really like it.
0: And Now, for for our listener, I want to say there's actually quite a few things that I stole from this podcast, like from that podcast for this pod. Well, just a couple of things, really. The first one is the main character, Doug Eiffel. He's always saying, hello, dear listeners. And so I liked that so much that I was like, I'm going to say dear listener on this podcast. And so that's why we do that. It's I I completely 100% stole it from Wolf 359.
1: Yeah. And then for me, it's when, uh, when Darian said, oh, we should say this, I immediately thought of Dane Eyre when, and the ending scene where... Oh, because she's like, always
0: saying, dear reader.
1: Dear reader, yeah. And oh, yeah. that that's when I was like, yes, let's do that. And then you told me about how you like it for the podcast. So we both like it for different reasons. Oh, that's funny, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that I've always loved that. <laughs>
0: cool. Okay, and then the other thing is they always start out each episode by saying, welcome. To Wolf 359 and I totally copy that inflection when I say welcome to the share a story podcast (laughs) like I didn't realize I stole that but I was listening to the a few of those episodes in preparation of recording and I was like holy cow that's exactly where I got that from like I just come like it just was subconsciously like that's the best way to start a podcast so there you go those those two things uh directly influenced this podcast and, and how we address our dear listener. Um, okay. So, okay. A little bit about Wolf 359. It is a fiction podcast. So it tells a fictional story. Um,
1: each episode is a chapter. Uh,
0: yes, right? you, you could remember. think of it like okay. that. Um, I don't think they call it.
1: Yeah. Chapter. I think they
0: just call called episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a couple that are like a cliffhanger ending two parter kind of thing where it's where it's like, and then I think the finale. Um, so it, it ran for four seasons. Um, it's done now, so they're they're done with this. Like the the creators have gone on to other projects, so you can listen to its entirety. It tells a, a full story. Um, and um, I think the finale is like four or five episodes long. Like the finale is just quite big and intense and involved. So a lot of moving pieces, but, but they do a good job. Um, And so, okay, a little bit about it. They, it takes place on this space station and they're orbiting around a star. It's actually the star called Wolf 359, which is a real star. Um, And they, they work for this company called Goddard Futuristics. And it turns out that they're an evil company. With, like, evil...
1: Intentions? Evil intentions,
0: yeah. Um, so, at the beginning, there's three human characters plus one um, sentient artificial intelligence character. She kind of helps run the station. Um, and the main character, his name is Doug Eiffel. Um, he's played by an actor by the name of Zach Valenti. And little bit about Doug Eiffel he's the he's like a kind-hearted bumbling idiot goofball kind of guy if that I don't know can you think does that help you can you picture a kind-hearted bumbling idiot goofball Mm -hmm. okay great so that's Doug Eiffel and then most of the and it's a comedy podcast I should say but it's but it's also um it's also like an action adventure podcast um I, and I know if if you if our dear listeners thinking of listening to, it, I should say because I know that some people this is meaningful to them. Um, I the the language and violence is about at a PG thirteen level, uh, so just keep that in mind if you if you want to listen to it. Um, so the other, I I would say like Doug's main kind of person that he plays against. Her name is. Uh, Lieutenant Minkowski and she so she's like the like the commanding officer Uh, even though it's a corporation they still are kind of like under like a military structure Um, and so she is by the book professional and like they're differing personalities that's kind of where a lot of the comedy comes from if that makes sense um And okay, so there's there's one specific storyline that I really liked that I thought would be perfect for us to share, for me to share today. And it takes place over the course of like ten episodes. It's this little subplot. I don't know if you if you can tell, but I kind of like little subplots. <laughs> I I uh, I don't know. I, I think they're kind of cool. But um, okay, so. They're, so, this evil corporation, Goddard Futuristics, they send out some new crew members that kind of take over the station. And, like, the original crew members are basically made to know that, like, you are not allowed to not do what we say. Otherwise, we'll kill you kind of thing. So, that they're basically more or less prisoners on this space station. They can't leave... They can't get rid of these guys that came in and took over. And um, uh, so Minkowski and the other human character, his name is Dr. Hilbert. They keep talking about maybe doing a coup, like taking over the station again. And even if it comes to it, using violence. Um, But Eiffel, Doug Eiffel, this... Kind-hearted, bumbling idiot, goofball, is really, really against that plan. If that makes sense, he he just can't. I get. I don't know how to say it. Like, he can't accept that that's the only way to deal with their situation mm-hmm. with with these with these uh, kind of like crazy murderous overlords that they find themselves stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um but like things keep getting worse for them. And so what happens is like Minkowski and Hilbert, as they kind of keep talking about this, um, Eiffel is always there kind of. So I, I, the way I picture it is like Eiffel is kind of acting like her her shoulder angel being like, that's a bad thing. Do you really want to do that? Like that is like, you can't come back from murdering people like you, Let's just lock him up and put him in handcuffs. Like that is the way better than killing them. And um He kind of becomes like this like this like grounding voice to her, I feel like. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um But then here's what happens. Minkowski sees a confidential file about Douglas Eiffel and finds out that he's there because he was part of this prisoner release program and he had been convicted of kidnapping and child endangerment and had been sentenced to 26 years in prison. Hmm. And that really, really, really bothers her.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And for quite a few episodes, she just cannot parse out in her head this fun-loving goofball, hey, what's wrong with handcuffs guy with the fact that his past includes this criminal conviction with kidnapping and child endangerment. So have you ever been in the situation where something... Like where you found out something bad about somebody and it changed your opinion of them? or changed. I think the way this is true them?
1: all the time. I mean, obviously not to that extreme, but I feel like, at least for me, I don't know anyone else. When I first meet someone, I kind of just expect the very best. And especially if they're wonderful, I just expect that to be their status quo. And when they do something flawed as we all do, then it's this shock where I have to figure out how to see them and a new light. Mm-hmm. um, And, and it's without being unfair and without, without being judgmental.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that, does that make sense? Like it's, It's like when I think someone's like, wow, that mom's amazing. I never see her do or say anything to her kids that are whatever, that are mean or rude or anything like that. And the first time I ever see her yell at her kid, even though it's unusual, it's just so startling. Okay. Yeah. That I'm like, I have to be like, okay, she's human. (laughs) Just like the rest of us.
0: Right. So it's like, okay the fantasy is shattered and we're back to reality yeah 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 oh yeah yeah. we're we're all imperfect
1: yeah and the fantasy really isn't that long it's like a day or two before when you're really getting to know people rather than just like this surface level knowledge yeah yeah
0: um and so there was another story that i thought of when i heard this story um and it's it's from a TV show called Downton Abbey. It, probably most people have heard of it. Yeah. Um, I watched the first season and it was way too intense for me and I had to stop because like I felt like I was being emotionally bludgeoned. Yeah. And I didn't even bother. Episode. Yeah. I didn't
1: even bother. I was like, you know what? I'm not into this <laughs> yeah. very, 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 very dramatic thing. I'm going to skip out on this. Yeah. It. Um, but... Others love sure. it. Sure. So. Right. Great. Yeah, it was very popular yeah.
0: um, for good reason. There was a lot of, I think, good, cool, solid writing and stuff. But mm-hmm. what, there was one thing that really bugged me. So there was this very similar thing that happened where this character's kind of integrity and past, like they found out something bad about this very, very likable, kind upstanding guy. And then at the end they find out oh, it was he took this. I don't I don't remember the details cuz it's been so long. But I just remember by the end they find out that it wasn't really him that had done this bad thing. He was protecting somebody else and he didn't want like he didn't want somebody else to take the blame for this thing or something. So Mm -hmm. he just stayed quiet when the accusation went his way. I don't remember. I don't remember, but I remember it really bugged me. And here's why. I think it goes back to what you were just saying about fantasy versus reality. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, so what they do in Wolf 359 is it, it takes several episodes, but like eventually Doug is like all right Minkowski her name is Minkowski but he calls her Minkowski it's like all right Minkowski what's going on why have you been avoiding me for like the last several months um just tell me what's going on and she's just like okay i i saw this confidential document about you i tried really hard to not let it matter but frankly it it matters it just has to matter and so like when he finds out oh that's why he doesn't want to talk about it anymore and so she's she gets mad at him and she's just like, You open this can of worms, Doug. You're the one that brought this up. Tell me the sob story. Tell me it wasn't you. Tell me whatever it is. And Doug just looks at her and tells her the story where um he had this girlfriend, they had a child together. Um they he, he um like, when they were ended up getting separated, he knew that custody wasn't going to go his way because he just knew that he wasn't responsible. He wasn't a very good, like, solid... Like, he wasn't a very good, solid parent figure. Like, he, he loved her. He loved spending time with her, had fun with her. But it was more of, like, the fun guy than the responsible guy kind of thing. So, he knew he wasn't going to get custody. And... Um, he also has this drinking problem. He doesn't drink very often. Um, He, In fact, I think he'd been sober for years and years and years, but then one night, he ended up having one drink, and that got him to being so drunk that while he was drunk, (sighs) he snuck into her room, kidnapped his little girl, and he was gonna just drive off with her. He ended up not even making it onto the freeway before he crashed uh, into another car. Um, And what ended up happening is she ended up with permanent hearing loss. Uh, So she's deaf now. His little girl is deaf. And I should say this. um, Eiffel loves music. Like, he, he's, like, the communications officer. He loves radio equipment. He loves audio. And he was the cause of his little girl's mm. deafness. Mm. And it was just, he, and it was just, like, he's, like, when, when he was, like, you want me to tell you the sob story? Well, the truth of it is, it's much worse. Like, it's not that... I just did this bad thing. What I did was ten times worse than what you read. And he just went through and told her exactly what happened, and and was just like, um, anyway. So that that led to his conviction. Um, you know, this this criminal record and conviction being sentenced for twenty six years, and then eventually he was let out on this prisoner release program with Goddard, where he got to like serve out his sentence on this space station. And so that's kind of how he ended up there future Darian here here's a clip from the show we were so happy to the Wolf 359 team because they gave us permission to share this with you
2: (sighs) hey can I get some fuse tape Thanks. You'd think we would have heard something by now. You'd think we'd have heard something by now. Hey, that's it! That's it! I can't take this anymore! Eiffel, what the- Just say something! Say anything! What are you talking about? I- It's bad enough that there's nothing I can do to stop this invasion of the software snatchers. I cannot have you not talking to me, too! Eiffel- Just say it! Say it! Whatever it is that's been stuck in your craw for the past, like, three months!
3: Seriously? You're just gonna- I know about your jail sentence. The time Kepler asked us to sync the Hephaestus archives with his server, we accidentally saw some documents about your sentence.
2: Does everyone know?
3: No, just me. Well, me and Jacoby.
2: Got it. Okay.
3: Hey, turn around. You started this, you don't get to leave it there. Don't you have any explanation? No. You're telling me that you don't have anything to say for yourself. I'm sorry, okay? I didn't want it to matter. I was trying to make it not matter.
2: By avoiding me.
3: I didn't say I was doing a good job of it. Eiffel, what happened? What happened? Why did you do it?
2: doesn't matter.
3: Of course it matters, you idiot! You kidnapped someone! You rescued your neglected nephew! Or there was an evil stepmother! Or something! Officer Eiffel, if you don't tell me right now, I am going to-
2: Kidnapping isn't the worst part. What? (laughs) Alright. You want to know? You want a story? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Doug. And Doug lived in a faraway kingdom called Texas. One day, while Doug's out playing with his radio, he meets this real special girl. Jury's still out on whether she was his dream girl or his nightmare demon monster from the Black Lagoon. But they started going out because, well, because he's had worse ideas. So for a while, things are happy ever after. Then for a while, things get real Sid and Nancy. But just when the Tower of Babel's about to come crashing down, along comes a magical, bouncing baby girl. (sighs) For a while, it was okay. Doug was seeing little baby Ann every other day, talking to her every day, teaching her to play the Jaws theme on her little dinky kid xylophone, all the good stuff. Hilariously, our man's pretty great at it.
3: At being a dad?
2: Oh, yeah. Until he slips up. See, fun fact about Officer Eiffel Dougie Boy doesn't like to have a drink. Dougie Boy doesn't like to have two drinks or four drinks, or six drinks. Doug likes to have 12 drinks, 15 drinks. But when Doug is a kid, he thinks it's time to go the full Robert Downey Jr. Goes to meetings, gets cleaned up, and then one day, one bad day, he has one drink. One. And then it's showtime, folks. The Doug Eiffel Limbo. How low will he go? Kate, our story's angel slash demon slash ex girlfriend, freaks out because, well, because she's a brain. Custody was never going to go Doug's way because, duh. And after that, well, Dougie Doug goes to a bad place. He turns into a bit of a. A good old fashioned monster. One night, about two months later, he pulls up to Kate's house, Jimmy's open the back door, gets his daughter in the car, and rides off into the sunset. Happy ever after, right? I fall. I didn't even make it onto the freeway. High school junior and his younger brother. They were coming home from the airport. I don't even remember the crash. Just the headlights.
3: And everyone... Wasn't okay?
2: (laughs) No. When you put the Model UN President in a wheelchair, you've definitely missed the exit for okay. But I was fine. Of course I was fine. The driver's always fine. And. Anne? Yeah. That's where this whole story starts getting real poetical. Cranial trauma. Acute acoustic damage. It was bad. Deaf for the rest of her life, bad. <sighs> Maybe Evil Incorporated's HMO is helping. I don't know. I haven't talked to her since, well, since.
3: I don't know what to say.
2: Say here is going to be okay.
0: That was from Wolf 359 by Kind Evil Genius Productions. Uh, that was from an episode called Limbo, written by Sarah Shackett, directed by Gabrielle Urbina. Doug Eiffel was played by Zach Valenti. And Rene Minkowski was played by Emma Jarco Jarko. And now, back to me and Loreen. The <laughs> reason... it's It's like a super sad story. Yeah, it is. Um... But to me, the part about that that inspires, uplifts, and heals is that he was still, like, in this time of crisis, like, the most, I guess, moral thinker. Like, everything he wanted to do was trying to minimize harm to others. Um, and it, I don't know, to me, I, th- I think it's because of this, this night and day difference between his past and where he was now, you know, like he was still this fun, loving idiot goofball. Um, but he, he kind of had this conviction about, like using nonviolent means. And maybe it's because he had this weight on his shoulder where he knew that he had been the cause of somebody else's um, permanent injury, you know? And, and he was able to, I don't know. I think that that changed him. And just sharing this thing with Minkowski, like, It really healed their relationship, if that makes sense. After that happened, like, they were so tight. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened before that that made them very tight. They dealt with um, mutinous and murderous crew members. They dealt with all kinds of crises where if they didn't take care of it, they would be falling into this star and, like, all kinds of stuff. But, like, to me, that was the best moment between these two characters, Was where he just says, hey, I have this messed up past and I'm going to own it. Like, I'm not going to run from it. I did a horrible thing. It's because I have a drinking problem. I had one bad night and it caused this thing. And, um... I don't know. Does that make sense? Can mm-hmm. you see why that's healing?
1: Mm-hmm. No, no, no.
0: Because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping no, I'm selling it well because no, as I'm actu- talking, I'm like, this doesn't even sound no, that No, no.
1: Because you actually have told me, you've you've had me listen to different parts of this show before. Uh-huh. By the way, one scene was super creepy and scary. And I was <laughs> I like, why would you make me listen to this right before bed? But um, but I, I remember that when you started telling me about it, or played it for me, I can't remember which one you did. I was expecting him because, you know, he's the nice guy and usually to keep the nice guy a nice guy and storytelling, you find out, oh, he was wronged along the way or something happened to really explain away this, this moment of badness. Right. So that really, they're not bad. Right. But instead, which what they did, which is unusual, it's like, no, I did do the crime. Right. And, I am facing it. I am becoming better. I did do it. Like as human beings, we've all made bad decisions, bad choices that have hurt someone or or ourselves. And um, and I think sometimes what happens in storytelling when they tell you, "Oh, this person didn't do this bad thing after. I ended up there was this." extraordinary circumstance blah 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 it makes you feel like oh well there was no extraordinary circumstance for me i did that
0: yeah like oh they they got that parking ticket because they saved a bus full of orphans yeah (laughs) yeah
1: yeah exactly instead of like i made a bad choice and i parked there right and and it almost makes you feel like oh well you 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 are not redeemable, or you're not that great. Yeah, the,
0: the good people, it turns out, were always good people.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the bad people <laughs> are bad people, right? Yeah, and um, and I, yeah, and, and I think that's what I liked about it when you told me about that yeah. story.
0: And and this other, like, just comparing it to Downton Abbey, where in the end, that's exactly what they did. They they took it away. They were like, oh no, it it, it turns out he was the nice guy all along. Yeah. Even it, And I don't know, maybe, maybe you could do a story about um, having faith in a person, even when there's doubts to their thing. But like, to me, it just came across as, as weak. Whereas this thing with, with Eiffel, it's like, you know what, you can, you can know that somebody has some pretty ugly skeletons in their closet. But you can still choose to have faith in them. Yeah. To me, that's so much more strong and powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. I I think it's funny. I happen to choose a story that is that goes right along with that theme. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, That's good because I,
0: I think I'm about done talking. But should we have a quick break?
1: Yeah. Let's have a quick break.
0: Okay. Hello, dear listener. Darian here. I want to tell you about a book that has made a huge impact on my life in how I understand stories. That book is called Invisible Ink by Brian MacDonald. Invisible Ink was written as a guide for screenwriters, but the principles of creating compelling stories transcend medium and genre. In his book, Brian talks about the three-act structure of stories and breaks down the purpose of each act. He also talks about a story's armature, or in other words, the underlying purpose of a story that gives it structure and shape. If you've ever wanted to understand why a good story can completely change you, I highly recommend Invisible Ink. You can get a free copy of the audiobook version of Invisible Ink through this episode's sponsor, Audible. Audible is the world's leader in audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. If you want to listen to Invisible Ink, go to audibletrial.com slash shareastory to sign up for a free trial. You get a free audiobook, you can choose Invisible Inc. or from thousands of other titles, you also get two free Audible originals from a selection of about five or six titles that changes from month to month. In addition, you can listen to free guided fitness and meditation and news from major U.S. newspapers. Audible has been an amazing service for both me and my wife. I love to listen to audiobooks and we use Audible almost every day. They have always been easy to work with as well. Their return policy is extremely amazing. If you try a title and listen to the entire thing and then six months later you decide you don't want it in your library, you can return it for a refund. We've done it on a few occasions and it has always been easy. If you want to sign up for Audible, go to audibletrial.com slash shareastory. That will get you started with a free trial and it will also support Lorene and me. Thanks again to Audible for supporting the Share a Story podcast. And now, on to Lorene's story. All right. And we're back. So uh, will you tell me a story?
1: Yes. And it's actually a film um, that a friend of mine that a friend and I watched a few years ago. Um, and it's called A Girl Like Her. It was filmed in 2015.
0: A Girl Like Her.
1: A Girl Like Her. Okay. Yes. And the film is like a document it's not a real documentary but it's in the format of a film crew following a couple of teenagers around in high school okay and but the way it starts is that it starts with well not the whole film's about a documentary but like a lot of it but the film starts with a girl who's about i don't know 15 maybe who tries to commit suicide okay Uh, that's how it starts and so then the whole the film is about figuring out why why is this young girl suicidal why did she swallow all those pills and it's a very very intense beginning I mean she goes in the bathroom she takes some closes the door takes some pills and her mom comes and finds her on the bathroom door and just is freaking out oh actually just talking about it makes me emotional yeah. and i don't even know why we watch this movie because it's totally not my type no, of movie <laughs> at all movie. and it's not well my friend she likes dramatic movies but i think i might have been the one who picked it or we were both like curious about what it could possibly teach us it's about bullying um not oh. what it could possibly teach us but like we know what bullying is, right? And we don't want to see it. We don't want to see it happening to the point where some little girl decides to take her own life. Yeah. But for some reason, while our little babies were taking a nap, <laughs> our, our two-year-olds or three-year-olds, I can't remember how they were at that point, uh, we decided to watch this movie.
0: So, sorry, this this was you and... And,
1: and my friend. Your friend, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to know which friend? No, it's fine. Okay, yeah, I wasn't gonna say it in the air. No, because... I.
0: Because I, I realized, like you told me, but I was like, oh, was this your sister or your no no friend, or I, okay, I didn't remember, but yeah, okay, so it was you and your friend.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay. Um. So, oh yeah, she's a sophomore, so that's about fourteen. That's about fifteen, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, so in the movie, um, you find out that this girl has been bullied for the last year okay. and it's not little bullying even though there's really no such thing it's not but what i mean to say is that she was intensely bullied by this four this group of four or five girls made mainly the leader um just super popular girls who got away with everything beautiful like just very popular at, which is a very Typical story, right? The popular girl mm-hmm. picking on the not popular girl, whatever. And she, so this girl who, who, okay, let's see. her, The girl who tries to commit suicide, her name is Jessica. So Jessica asks her friend, um, um, what's his name? Let's see. Uh, I can't remember the friend name, but her guy friend. She asked him to help her record the fact that she's been bullied for the last year so her friend puts uh like hidden cameras on her and stuff like that and so throughout the movie you're seeing scenes of the girl picking on 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 jessica and it gets intense to the point where she's emailing her why don't you just commit suicide no one wants you here Mm. like uh social like bullying her in real life bullying her on online bullying her well online but i mean like through social media as well as through email just it's constant to the point where the girl's just like sick and done with it i mean just thinking about it it was hard and my friend and i cried a lot because we kept imagining our own kids Mm -hmm. going through this we're like we don't want our kids to get bullied yeah yeah (laughs) it was it was really hard um um it's not really something i've experienced in my life People are, most people are really kind mm-hmm. and don't want to spend the time bullying you. They want to just, they want to do their own thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so then there's a film crew that is there. I can't remember what they were actually filming because I, I could not watch this a second time. So I did not watch it again before. Their show. So, I can't remember why they were there filming, but they started to follow around the girl who had been doing the bullying because everyone found out like there was recordings everywhere of her bullying Jessica and everyone find out found out she had been such a bad bully. Mm-hmm. And really everyone started turning against her. Ag-
0: against the popular
1: girl? Yeah, against the popular girl. Um the popular girl's name was Avery. Okay. And um, and so Avery kind of because she's like, "I don't get it. You all said this. You all did this. Why are you all blaming me? I did nothing wrong, and I'm not gonna lie about it." And blah blah blah. So she just goes on, and she's getting pissed, and and she's getting hurt. And the way that sometimes people get hurt but lashes out
2: okay.
1: because her even her friends are like turning against her. Even her friends are turning against her. Okay. And the film crew decides to follow her around and um, record her and record her life. Uh, They said, oh, we just want to see what it's like in the life of the teenager. And I think that's when all the bullying videos and tapes and recordings and stuff like that started coming out.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And um, at first I was really pissed. I was really pissed that the film crew was treating her with so much compassion. I'm like, she's a freaking bully. Come on, stop being like, Hey, we just want to get, we just want to get your side of the story, or we just want to know how things are for you. And we just want to, you know, all these things They were just really kind and gentle with her. And I was like, she's, there's a girl in the hospital who might die. Give this girl freaking hard time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knocked on the table, guys. Sorry. That startled Darian a little. Um, but I, I was just really annoyed that they were treating this girl who had done such mean things with so much love and compassion. Um, and I was really happy that everyone was turning against her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, um, and you see her home life. I mean, her family, they're, fine um but you realize that uh her attitude of belittling people come from her mom who's always belittling her dad like Mm -hmm. she'll say things like don't listen to your dad he doesn't even know how to do anything right or Mm -hmm. don't you know just little things here and there so it's 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 not anything big. It's almost stereotypical the type we see in movies. And we laugh at when some Mm -hmm. spouses act that way towards Mm -hmm. each other, especially the woman towards the guy. Um, But you notice that that had contributed to her attitude that it was okay to talk and treat people a certain way. Um, But then as the movie went on, I realized something. I realize This is a. 15 year old girl. Who's also in pain. And she's. Reacting badly. She's hurting others. To deal with her own. Pain to deal with her own. Um, Self doubts to deal with. Any negative feelings She might be having right. She's. She's not reacting greatly, but she is a young girl dealing with the same thing. And so then I, I put myself as the mom of the bully girl and how I would want people to treat my daughter mm. if she was a bully. And I think about and immediately the conversation in my head switched to. I would want people to help her become better, not by becoming bullying her themselves, but by loving her and teaching her and and, yeah, she still will have to suffer the consequences of her action. Mm-hmm. But then she would never learn and become better or teenagers make really, 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 really silly decisions sometimes. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it would be so sad if their whole life was determined by that one thing aspect of that life where they were hormonal and and not having a fully developed brain or any of those things. Yeah. And um, I feel like because the bully was treated with such compassion in the end she realized exactly what she had done. like she was watching the recordings of herself, all the recordings of herself with Jessica and she just started crying. She was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And um, and at the end of the movie, she looked at the camera. She's like, hi, I'm Avery, and I'm a bully. Wow. And, um, and that's how it ends. Like, and when it ends that way, that's when the girl who had been bullied, Jessica, she had been at the hospital the whole time, and they weren't sure if she was going to make it. Her eyes popped open. So I thought that was really interesting, uh, mm. the way they told that story. Obviously, she could be brain dead for all we know. I have no idea. <laughs> but... Um, but I just think, like in life, we've all probably had moments when we felt judged, or our flaws were used to define who we were. One moment of weakness, one momentary flaw, and some people have become our defining characteristic.
0: Yeah. Or, or like in this case, it sounds like it was like a systemic flaw. It, it is a systemic but it's flaw. Still yeah. Not okay to like caricaturize somebody down to yeah it, their their one thing
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly but i i think about even just even one moment right like if i'm walking down the street and i see the stranger and i see him yelling at his kid i'm using a lot of kid examples but (laughs) i see him yelling at his kid if i ever see him again in my head he'll still be that parent that
0: that yelled at his that kid yelled that at his time. kid
1: until I find I have a different story about him, until I get to know him a lot more or whatever. But anytime I see him for the next 20 years, if ever all I see is him, that's gonna be the story in my head. Mm-hmm. That one moment, right? And um I <laughs> I think that it is easy for us to label people as good guys bad guys, good people, bad people, etc. Our perspective can get so 2D, right? Yeah, you're yeah. either a good guy because you've always made the good decisions like you were talking about, right? Or you're a bad uh-huh. guy because you made a bad decision. Right. And and that decision could be huge. That mm-hmm. that bad decision could definitely impact a lot of people. Um but I think there's so much more to us right there we are a compilation of good and bad decisions in our lives Mm -hmm. and i don't think i'm a bad guy (laughs) sure uh, but to someone else maybe i am because i hurt them that one time right and and this and there's been so many times in my life where i thought i was being perfectly fine and someone's like hey it really hurt my feeling when you said this and I either go on to explain and be like, oh no, that's not what I meant," or, or I'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that was hurting you. You know? Yeah. Um, but either way, I would never want those moments to define me and be, become the story of who I am. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's what I took away from this story was the fact that, if I treat everyone I encounter with compassion, whether I think they're good people or bad people or whatever, that's more than anything will change the world. That more than anything will change someone's life. Yeah, rather than I don't want to see say like you can quote the the poor. Um, because you you should you should try to help as many people as possible but i think like some of the best way you could ever help people is by giving them unconditional love that doesn't mean you have to be idiotic and put yourself in bad positions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but maybe try harder not to define people as good or bad
0: yeah Um,
1: or at least most people because most people are essentially good
0: yeah um, I think that makes sense there there's um I mean there's definitely so my mom this kind of reminds me of her because she's a very compassionate am- she is. amazing woman yeah. um, and, and we've we've had kind of some neighbors various neighbors you know not. Not like it's always just like the one neighbor, but like we've had neighbors that have had, you know, needed help, um, needed to, um, you, you know, we've had neighbors that haven't had a phone. um, And so they'll come over and borrow, you know, borrow my mom and dad's phone, you know. um, And th- there was a few times where it turns out they were making some long distance phone calls and back in the day (laughs) yeah back back when long distance phone calls meant something you know Mm -hmm. and they got very expensive and my mom told them to knock it off and they didn't but she was so compassionate and she she tolerated it for a long lot longer than I probably would have tolerated it um and I see that with her a lot like she'll always kind of default to helping
1: oh very much so she's very much a compassionate person yeah
0: um and service oriented and it's it's definitely an ideal for me to strive to become like if that makes Mm -hmm, sense mm -hmm. um and you know uh mom if if you're listening um i i mean i do want to say there was times when she's told me like i'm just tired of helping them and the i mean like i don't want to mom I hope that me saying that doesn't make you feel bad but like I just want to say when it was at that point we were all flabbergasted back and forth six or eight times like about like why are you still (laughs) why are you still doing this why blah 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 and (laughs) like seriously like probably one of the most patient people one of the most giving people um that and i she know is amazing so um yeah so yeah i i think it's good to default towards uh giving someone the benefit of the doubt helping them when they need help even if they've burned you in the past sometimes yeah. it's still the right choice yeah, to and help it, somebody out
1: yeah and it's not necessarily the giving them the benefit of the doubt you know already they are guilty and still showing them compassion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Showing them compassion, even when, you know. They might not. I don't know. I, I hate to use this term, but like might not deserve it, might not be worthy. But of
1: everyone's deserving of compassion. Exactly. Right.
0: That's kind of why I don't like it okay. is is because it's like. That's, that's kind of what compassion means. Maybe even right?
1: if in the eyes of society they are not deserving. I have no yeah, idea. Or even if because, they've wronged you. Yeah. Like, even
0: if they've deeply wronged you, maybe they still deserve, like maybe it's still the right answer to show compassion. Mm-hmm. Now, I I like, I like you said before, there are people who will hurt you if mm-hmm. you let them and... <laughs> So it's it's not like a one hundred percent go ahead and and sacrifice yourself for the no, sake of another. You can
1: be kind and compassionate and not still in some be in a toxic person's presence. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So you, you don't necessarily have to put yourself in that position to think I'm being kind and I'm being compassionate. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to be kind and compassionate towards yourself too.
0: Yes, exactly. And if um. If it's really going to hurt to keep doing that, then don't. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, exactly.
1: So. so, but yeah. So, but what did you think of the story? I'm curious of uh, um, this movie. I, I think I told you all about it before and you're like, I don't know why you would watch such yeah. a depressing thing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know either. <laughs> um. Well,
0: yeah. i I think it's always interesting to take someone that's the bad guy and I don't know it sounds neat to like take someone who doesn't think they're a bad guy and kind of have them go through the steps of finding out oh I'm the bad guy you know in this story um <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean I feel like there's been times in my life where I'm just going along fully confident that I'm so awesome and then something happens and it's like Oh. I have been doing something bad forever, you know, yeah. that I never thought about. Yeah. Um and uh I I've I've basically I I think I've kind of come to the conclusion that at any one given time there's probably at least a dozen things that I'm doing wrong and at some oh, future so point Uh, you're gonna come to uh, that yeah at some future (laughs) point god is gonna tell me hey darian it's time for you to stop doing this or it's time for you to start doing this thing and um it's like oh i i didn't even know that that was something i was supposed to yeah well it is you know what darian it is something you're supposed to not do or it's something you are supposed to do so um and I can definitely, I definitely know I've had those moments in my life where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm the bad guy in this story, um, and, I mean, I've kind of just discovered through my own sad experience the best way to deal with that is to just humbly accept the truth of it, and just be like, okay, I have some changing that I need to do. I have some apologizing I need to do. I have some healing that I need to, if I can help facilitate. Um, and um, yeah, I have kind of found that's the only way to kind of handle that is just acknowledge, acknowledge it and yeah. then do better.
1: Yeah. It, it's so interesting. <sighs> so, I remember one point of my in my life I was around this girl and this girl she shared with me that she had been trying very hard not to be as arrogant or not to be as I'm always right kind of thing mm-hmm. um, attitude and so I don't know why I did this. I honestly at the time thought I was helping. Anytime she did something like that I'd be like remember you're trying not to do this and, and but a few years later I was thinking about it, I was like, why would I constantly <laughs> remind her like that? Like I honestly at the th- time thought I was being helpful, thought I was being kind. And but when I and I was like, wow, actually she was the one being kind and and
0: um in like tolerating and <laughs>
1: tolerating it. She never once said, Hey, Lorreen, you know, never once she just didn't say anything when i said that she she didn't say anything at all and that was very kind and compassionate on her part um and i and i once i realized it i'm like wow i really i need to go out of my way not to do that but then anyways yeah cut that out but yeah so you're better than me but (laughs) no but like that I think that's what life is about. Like we can't peg ourselves as good or bad people or um we can't peg ourselves as good or bad people. We are constantly making bad choices and we're constantly learning from them and constantly getting better. We're also making good choices mm-hmm. constantly as well. Yeah. And so we can't just look at our one flaw or two flaws or even three or five flaws and have that be all we are. But at the same time, we can't do that to others as well. Yeah, We can't constantly remind them of the mistakes they've made, especially when they're trying so hard to get better. Yeah. If you're constantly reminded of your mistakes, you never leave that behind. You never have a hope for anything more. So then sometimes you give up. True change occurs when others allow you to change as well.
0: Yeah, I I definitely, I can 100% agree with that. Um, Yeah, there there was, um, so I'm going to tell, so when I was in the sixth grade, um, I had some friends that were not very good for me. And I actually, with them, I was a bully. And there was this one kid in particular that I can think of that I I feel really bad about about how we treated him. Um, and then, kind of in junior high, I kind of got away from those friends. Um, and then I actually had my own experience where I was bullied by somebody else. So I, I can say I've been on both sides of of the bully thing um i like to think that i'm better but at the same time i think of some i like i look back at some of the times where i've like gotten frustrated with my kids and it probably came across the same as a bully did to me when i was being bullied you know like the yelling the anyway so <laughs> i mean it applies to trying to be a good father and a good mother i think too mm. oh you know? yeah so. so
1: true. I know sometimes when I I can't stand, I cannot stand yelling at my kids, and it's something yeah. I'm constantly working on. But then and,
0: at the same time, there's things that my kids do that I can't stand as well. I'm like, yeah, why do my you trigger, do this? Yeah. yeah,
1: my trigger with my kids <laughs> is when they they hurt each other. For some reason, that <laughs> triggers me. I'm like, uh, it's uh, Why are you hurting your brother? (laughs) It (laughs) triggers me. And then I have to be like, okay, they're little and they're still learning. And you're, you're being a bully right now by standing over them like this and looking at them with such a fierce expression instead. And so I usually have to stop myself and be like, okay, come and tell me what you were thinking (laughs) when you did this and try not to be as upset as I want to be when the illogic, of that thought and picking on each other comes across. yeah, And um,
0: And I think our older one, a lot of times the way he treats the younger one is exactly mirroring the things that we've done to him.
1: Um, yeah, when he'll yell at him, why did you do this? <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's just like, is that oh what gosh, I sound I like? Uh,
1: <laughs> I know, I always think that. I'm like, is that really why he hears? Yeah, it is such a profound, humbling, and learning experience parenting, especially parenting toddlers.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you ever, if you ever want to feel humble, uh, become a parent. How ha- about five year old? <laughs> uh, we've never had teenagers, uh, dear listener. If you have teenagers, I'm sure you, I, We hear that those are some fun years too, full of all kinds of storytelling opportunities. But we haven't quite gotten there yet. But hopefully. Hopefully we'll get there.
1: Hopefully you know. I'll be a better mom by the time we <laughs> get there.
0: Yeah. I think you're going to be a perfect mom and I'm going to be a perfect dad by about the time we're done. I think that's <laughs> generally how it works.
1: Yeah. It isn't so, learning, but that's, yeah. that's life. It's a learning process. It's constantly, it's not staying in your flaw and dwelling in your flaw. It's mm-hmm. acknowledging it and then figuring out how you can get better and then doing that. Yeah and over and over and over you're going to fail but you're constantly trying over and over again.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean I definitely think bullying is it's kind of horrible. Like when I was the victim of bullying, I felt so trapped. Like I felt mm. so powerless. My mom wouldn't let me skip school even though I really wanted to because school was miserable like mm-hmm. like and it was only in one class like junior high you're only in one class for well, I I think it was this was like like the the homeroom kind of thing mm-hmm. which was it, it was like shorter than a normal class time so I think it was in total 25 minutes of my day but that 25 minutes was all I could think about all day long, whether I was at school or at home, whether I was think like, whether I got home for the day, like the only thing I could think about is like, what's tomorrow going to be like, it's going to be so horrible tomorrow. So th- like, even though the class time was so short, the amount of brain space it took up was all of my brain space. It was all I was thinking about. How, how can I, deal with this? How can I deal with this? And there was no way, like there was no way I could deal with it on my own. And I think what ended up happening was I ended up talking to a counselor and ended up crying and being a junior high boy that cried in front of a school counselor felt miserable and I felt so embarrassed. But um, after that, it got better and she stopped. Uh, My bully was a girl, by the way. I should point that out. I was bullied by a girl. And I was a junior high kid, and I was crying in front of some whatever counselor that I had. I don't know. I think she was the school counselor for all the kids with the last name O through P, whatever it was. But, anyways, it 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 is a real pain. Like it is a very genuine and real pain when you get bullied.
1: Hmm. So oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I'm so glad that the world is more aware. That that's not okay. I think before bullying was just like, oh, it's whatever. They're just kids. They bully each other. Whatever. But with all the suicides and depressions and all the things that were happening, especially with kids, I think around twelve to fourteen, um, people realized that hey, this this is serious. Something needs to be done. Yeah,
0: bullying bullying should not be tolerated, and not only for the victim's sake but for the perpetrator's sake as well. Yeah. Because um it is not like the victim's life is not the only one that can be ruined. Yeah. Um I I don't want to minimize the pain of the victim. Like I said when I was a when I was bullied, I was so scared and miserable and I like every moment of my life was filled with dread. Like I want to emphasize being the victim is so horrible. But like and I, and I know I don't think I ever got to the point where I was considering suicide mm-hmm, um mm-hmm.
1: you were just very very miserable
0: yeah I was just very miserable I felt so trapped I felt like there was no way out mm-hmm. um but had I taken my own life because of this like maybe she would have gone to jail maybe uh, at the very least, this would probably weigh very heavily on her. And she was just some teenage girl as did. well. Yeah, making a bad I, choice. You know, I don't know where she is in life, but hopefully she's well adjusted and happy. Happy and, you know, living a good, healthy life with people she loves and that love her. I I I don't you know, I would love that if if she was there, uh in, in that state. Um But yeah, like if uh if you let somebody bully somebody else and it ends up hurting somebody it's not only it's not just the victim that whose life is now essentially changed forever Mm. so yeah
1: Mm, yeah speak up oh oh i guess i can't share it um actually okay so I am aware. I, I have a really cool story to end on since we're talking about bullying, okay. which is such a heavy topic. Um, the end story is that I know of a little girl who found out her friend was being bullied and the friend went to a totally different school. Is
0: this a oh, real life story? Real yes. life story. Okay. This is a yes. real life
1: story. And the, little, the girl started worrying a lot. Because we've all heard about bullying now, how traumatic it is. And since her friend would call her all the time crying and being sad and not wanting to go to school and all that stuff, she was really worried. Mm -hmm. And so my friend called, I mean, not my friend, but this girl called her friend's counselor at the school and said, hey, my friend's being bullied by this person. Could you please investigate? Please find out because... I am very worried about my friend. Yeah. And they investigated, and sure enough, she was being bullied and they put a stop to it. And um, I don't think she ever shared with her friend that she did that. Oh. So her friend was just like, Yeah, one day he just stopped. He's she's like, Oh man, life, my life has been so much better, I'm so much happier, and oh, all that that's stuff. Awesome. And so I thought that was really cool that one teenager stood up for another teenager and a long distance. Um thing, like you if you are aware of someone being bullied, tell someone.
0: Yeah, you don't have you, to be you don't have the grown-up.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be the grown-up. you don't have to be like, hey, I'm gonna stand up for them against the bully myself, although you know
0: yeah, you don't have to put yourself in a position where you're gonna be the one beat up at the flagpole after the
1: yeah class meeting. yeah, all you have to do is just tell an adult. Like tell, tell a counselor. Tell someone. Yeah. So that these people have better lives. Like, teenage life is such a momentary part of all of life. I mean, we as human beings can live to live up to eighty or a hundred years, right?
0: Yeah, or or longer. Or in longer circumstances.
1: Yeah. Don't let these four years determine eighty years of life.
0: Right right yeah Yeah.
1: so speak up
0: i i think (laughs) i don't know if you can get away i think your teenage years end up defining the rest of your life whether you want them to or not (laughs) so true (laughs) that is so true (laughs) uh, (laughs) Um, hopefully for the better yeah well yeah i mean i don't know i mean it's just a reality of life that you carry pain with you sometimes for decades and decades but that doesn't mean that life is not worth living. It doesn't mean that you can't have joy. You you can't have. So true. um, If, if that. Yeah. So no, well, sorry, I was just going to say, I've, I've kind of learned to accept that, that like, I don't know that, that pain is a part of life, but that it doesn't have to define. It doesn't have to be the defining feature of your life.
1: Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, like I said, I got bullied by a girl. In junior high, the worst time to get bullied. Um, uh, Yet I have a hot wife and two gorgeous (laughs) kids, and I'm a homeowner. And you're happy. I'm living my dream life. I really am. So yeah, you really are. There there you go. Mm So uh, mm it's it's hard. I'm busy all the time. (laughs) I know. All the time. (laughs) Um, but. But I I love my life. It's full of hard work, and there have been painful things. And I I know for a fact that more painful things are coming. Um, uh, on I mean, actually, I I should say I hope that more painful things are coming because if not, that probably means that I'm going to die very soon. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I think so. okay. But yeah, sorry to get morbid there, but um. Yeah, Why? thanks
1: a lot, Darian. That does <laughs> not go with our thing. <laughs>
0: life is pain. Anyone who tells you differently is selling something. So. <laughs> He's kidding. <laughs> that's that's a quote from a movie. But anyways, so yeah.
1: Yeah. To end in a positive note.
0: Oh, instead of life is pain?
1: Yeah, I want to end um, on something positive.
0: Okay. Um,
1: uh, you know what? I'll end on something positive.
0: Okay. Um, Actually, can I can I do something first, okay. and then you can end it with the way you want? Um. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about Wolf Three Fifty Nine again because do you remember how I said, uh, her name was Minkowski, but mm-hmm. he always said Minkowski. Mm-hmm. That has to do with how I I she's like a Polish character. I think mm-hmm. that's how Polish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. last name a quirk of spelling in. Polish is, I guess, English speakers pronounce it wrong because of how it looks when it's spelled. Um, well, it turns out for like the whole time that uh, that Eiffel knew Minkowski, she was really bothered by by how he called her Minkowski, and it ended up kind of coming to light that like that Eiffel had kind of been hurting a lot of people through his kind of idiot goofball jokes that to him were just jokes. But it turns out that to some of the people receiving the jokes, they were more cutting than he thought. And he, like, there was one episode where they kind of confronted him. Like, he kind of got confronted on, like, two or three sides by it. And he was just like, they're just jokes. And it's like, yeah, to you, they're just jokes. Um, but to me, I, you know... And then they tell like this story of what happened to them in school and how, how did, so now how do you think I feel when I just want someone to recognize me for my merits and for who I am rather than like my past, rather than my background. And, and you're always calling me Minkowski and making fun, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he was able to once again temper who he was. And was able to have like a much more meaningful friendships with a lot of the people, a lot of the other characters, um, in in this show because, yeah, he got better. Like he got better at being a good friend, um, when when he found out about it. So, um, anyways, it kind of like I said, it kind of we chose very similar themed stories oh, today, I which was, was cool. But yeah, go ahead. You end it in the The positive light that you want to
1: I did not remember oh, that <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It was a faint a vague thing. I guess I was trying to remember a time when someone showed me such compassion. It made me better
3: mm-hmm.
1: um. blank i'm a total blank i can't
0: what about was was there a time um do you have any stories from when you were in high school or college that you can think of
1: Here's the thing. I have very very vague memories of high school. <laughs> That's like put it behind like, you. I can't <laughs> remember on one hand how many people I actually remember. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I can count on one hand how many people I actually remember from high school. And uh and it, seriously wow. It's amazing. Like the people who are important to you you will remember but most people you won't so like if there's a teenager listening just seriously do not care what other people think it won't make a lick of a difference to you later on but most of our, of our audience is adults and so i guess i guess you know what i want to say i mean we focus a lot on teenagers and how they're feeling and i'm sure a lot of you guys remember, a lot of you, I mean, I'm sure you, the listener, remember being a teenager. But don't forget we can also be bullies as adults. Mm-hmm. Just like in the movie where she learned her bullying tendencies from the way her mom treated her dad. Mm-hmm. We just have to treat people with respect and love. Yeah. I think that makes so much more difference difference than anything else i've the moments when i've changed the best and the most have been when someone has approached me with compassion as i am in my flaw yeah and that has opened my eyes to the fact that i am living in my flaw and motivated me in such a beautiful way to become better and motivated me because they believed in me and motivated me because they treated me like I could. I could become better.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how how that can mean way more than anything else. Like when somebody shows you mercy when you're least deserving. I mean like and that's kind of what mercy is, right? Is um getting something you don't deserve. Uh, it's amazing how, how much mercy can change you, can make you better. Yeah. Not always. I think there's been times when people have shown me mercy and I was totally like, sweet, I got away with something. Um, so once again, sorry about a lot of the things I did, mom. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) you raised a good (laughs) boy mom (laughs) thank you for preparing him for me
0: yeah but um yeah i want to say that there have some of my biggest moments of transformation have come very soon after i received mercy when i was very undeserving Mm i want
1: to end with this quote and it's a quote I found when I was a young adult and I could just I live by it this was the quote that determined the way I treated people and the way I handled things and it is by Ralph Waldo Emerson and it says treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is treat a man as he could be and he will become what he should be
0: Oh, I like that. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for your story, Lorene.
1: Thank you for your story, Darian. It was really, it was just wonderful to hear and to be reminded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully you you also listened. I mean, hopefully you also enjoyed these stories, dear listener. And I hope you will treat every person you encounter as someone who is full of amazing potential. Bye. Bye.